Hello, ladies. We would like to welcome you to our Goodness and Gracious podcast. It is our desire for this podcast to help women to grow and be strengthened by taking the Bible and laying out God's plan for our lives. Now, throw in some laundry, and if you have kids at home, send them to their room. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink, because it's time for just you and God. Oh, well, and I guess us. Now let's dive right in. Welcome back to Goodness and Gracious, continuing with part two of Far Above Ruby's A Proverbs Perspective. We would like to thank our guest, Rachel Hines, for continuing to join us for this Proverbs series. Thanks for having me back. In the previous segment, we talked about who a virtuous woman is. She is rare and precious, and we talked about the different areas that her husband can and should be able to trust her in. Today, we're going to spend some time in the next five verses, verses 13 through 17. This could rattle decades, even centuries worth of beliefs, doctrines, and traditions on both sides of the fence. Women, and even men, have been indoctrinated. I would even say brainwashed with the idea that a kept, pampered woman is A, desirable, meaning in the end, the man will be content and the woman will be fulfilled, and B, that this is the goal or the standard. It all sounds good in theory until you actually read God's word and discover that the goal and standard are actually opposite of this. Well, ladies, let's dive right in. It's very important to keep in mind that this proverb contains the word for King Lemuel, but the wisdom was penned from a woman, his mother, in case you are tempted to think the standard is too high. She knew all too well what being a woman meant. Proverbs 31.13 says, She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. This seems to be far from and even opposite of what a world calls a kept woman. She's not afraid to get her hands dirty to meet the needs of her family. This virtuous woman does not need to wait for her husband to get home to do something. She takes the initiative to get the job done, so to say. Being a keeper at home does not mean that the wife takes it easy and the husband is the only worker. Great women of God work just as hard, if not harder than their husbands, and they do it happily. In Genesis 24, 15 through 16, we read, And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. If you read the verses before, you find that Abraham's servant was looking for a specific type of woman for Isaac. Rebecca was fetching water. What? You mean the woman he was looking for wasn't out getting her hair done, shopping, talking on the phone, or reading the latest romance novel? She was working, and she was not only doing her normal fetching duties. If you read a bit farther, she offered to let down her pitcher for Abraham's servant and all the camels. There were 10 camels. Each camel can drink 20 gallons in 10 minutes. Talk about your hospitality. Talk about hard work that she did willingly. I can only imagine that Abraham's servant was thinking, ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner. Isaac was definitely in for a treat. Rebecca was certainly going to make him a Proverbs 31 bride. We can't stop there. Where did Jacob find Rachel? Genesis 29, 9. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. 
Rebecca and Rachel, neither afraid to get their hands dirty and neither afraid to work. I believe that most people don't actually know which side of the fence they are on about this. Marriage is not meant for a woman to be pampered and spend her days reading, shopping, napping, and manipulating her husband into bringing supper home. We are to work with our husbands, knowing full well what our place is, and working as a team. Not all teams look the same, but both roles should involve full participation in what is pleasing to God and should complement each other. I know before we talked about team on, um, I think kind of hit it on the last podcast, but we, um, me and CJ have our roles of, you know, I do housework. He does, you know, like the outside housework and the things that I don't know how to do and the car stuff. And um, we kind of, we just, it's just like the given things. Like I cook and clean and maintain the house and he just does like the oil and the, he gets, you know, fills the cars up and stuff. But it doesn't mean that I can't put gas in the car. It doesn't mean that he can't help sweep every now and then but it's about attitude and serving each other. So if I have to mow the lawn or something, that's his job. I'm doing it because I want to help him and I want to serve him. And it's just about completing each other and helping each other out. Because if you're a team, but you're, you know, picking up the slack of someone else, that's really not teamwork. You're just going to get mad at each other and it's going to cause a fight and not, not goodness. (laughs) I agree. So our team doesn't look like your team. There are things that I um, won't let Tom do. I won't let him do the laundry. I won't let him clean the toilets. Um, So those are some things that I absolutely will not let him do. But there are things that I will let him do. So he likes to cook, so he can cook. Um, And I don't mind him picking up the house or um, doing a little dusting here and there, as long as um, it's not because I'm not willing to do it. I will let Gary do anything he wants to Mm. do. I have no issue with it. Since we've been married, he's done laundry off and on, and he's only ruined, like, one outfit. So I commend him. He does a very good job. And when he knows I'm not feeling good, he'll say, just don't worry about supper. I'll take care of it. After he's worked a long, hard day, he'll say, don't worry about it. I mean, there's times that I force myself to go do what I have to do. But most of the time, he'll say, no, just let me take care of it. And he's willing, and he does it happily, you know, like this says. He does it happily. I think that's the key is that it's not – looking at it as your spouse is slacking it's how can I serve them how can I help do this for them and that changes the whole attitude of even your heart you know if you do it angrily you're not gonna get any fulfillment out of it but when you do it because you want to help them that kind of makes you love them even more too it does change your whole perspective because I used to do it not so happily on some things that I've had to do I'm honest I'm not I wasn't happy about it I was aggravated about it but when you change your mindset and you do it happily it just makes everything so much better yeah. and I love I love mowing grass he hates mowing grass so that works out perfect for us <laughs> it gives me some alone time with the Lord I sing I pray you know listen to songs or whatever so and it works out good for us and I love how all of our teams look different yeah. you know that's, and what, that, I was, that's what I was yeah. gonna say I like just all marriages are different, different. Yeah. we're all teams like that should be a universal yeah. marriage thing but like what we each do differently in our marriage is what like you know, CJ couldn't do the things that Tom can do. That just wouldn't work for our relationship. Right. And, you know, with dad and stuff too. But right. like what works for us works for us and it won't work for anyone else. Right. And that makes our marriage even more special to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that we've, like I said, we've been brainwashed into thinking that the team has to look like one thing and it doesn't have to look like one thing. And we fall into that trap um, of judging other marriages, you know, based on our own marriage. And I think that's just a really bad thing to get into. Right. Well, it's always been said your marriage is 50-50. Well, some marriages might be, but maybe some marriages are not. Right. So that's really not 
Correct. But two fifty fifty, it looks different. Like right. CJ is the breadwinner, so I when he comes home from a long day at work, I don't really expect him to do anything. I try to do all the cooking and cleaning, even you know get the kids ready for bed, bath them, and everything. And for the most part, try to serve him. You know, let him sit on the couch every once because he's done a bunch of stuff all day. That's just how our marriage works. Other people might their spouse comes home and they still expect them to do a bunch of stuff. It's just fifty fifty looks different to everyone. You know, yeah. for me, I feel like CJ puts his part in by working hard all day long. Right. And I think that changes as the phases of your life changes. Yeah. So when I was 27, um, I, uh, yeah, very long time, very, very long time ago, <laughs> four score. <laughs> um, so when I was 27, that's what it looked like for me. Um, now I don't, I don't mind Tom coming home and doing a little bit extra after he's worked all day. Not, not only because, um, I work too, it's not so much that as it is, we've just hit a different stage in our life. You know, we're not raising kids. We're not, you know, there's just different things that we're not doing that, that would soak up our time other places. Um, we're, we're pretty much just the two of us now. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind him doing this or doing that. Um, I do get a little territorial when he's doing something that I don't think that he should be doing. (laughs) Don't do that. That's my job. So moving to Proverbs 31, 14, we read, she's like a merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. This is a picture of a woman that doesn't take the easy route for anything. Merchant ships travel long distance to get the best of the best. A virtuous woman does not cut corners. All that she does and all that she makes is top notch. This is definitely not to say that Kraft Mac and Cheese can't be on the menu. It just means that nothing, within means, is too good for her family, no matter how hard the task. Moving to Proverbs 31.15, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Yes, I guess that means exactly what it says. Do you have to be up before the sunrise every morning in order to be a virtuous woman? Certainly not. But a virtuous woman is not in love with her snooze button or her comfy blanket. This too, I think, has to do with um, the phase of life you're in uh, with three littles. It's better now because, like, Callan and Kaysen being so close in age, like, I feel like I just didn't get a break. Like, I went from sleepless nights to more sleepless nights to more sleepless nights and so like, I didn't get a break but like I know a lot of people they get up early and they do their reading and praying and like their time with God like before the sun comes up well a lot of times I was just going to bed <laughs> like actually getting rest at that point in the day so I couldn't that wasn't feasible for me so I would have to find you know maybe when everyone else was in the middle of their working day when the kids were napping that's when my alone time was so it's, it's just a willingness in your heart to find that time mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what that time of day is right so my time, um, what gives me a good start is to get up and to do my Bible, Bible reading in the morning, my scriptures, uh, scripture writing, my devotion, all of that in the morning. Um, a lot of times preparing for my Sunday school lesson or for the doc meeting, um, doing that in the morning is, is the best for me. I can't say that that would have already always been that way, you know, right. because um, I wasn't. I used to be in love with my comfy blanket and my snooze button, <laughs> and I'm still a snooze button pusher, but I know my limits. Whereas 20 years ago, I might not have known my limits. Um, but today, I'm, I'm learning my limits. And um, I'm learning that for me, that's what's going to make the day. And I can always tell. So when I get in the middle of the day, things aren't going right. Um, you know, mistakes are made. You know, stuff's just falling apart. Um, then I can look back and say, it's because I skipped this or it's because I skipped that or maybe only fit a certain portion in where I should have fit a bigger portion in. I am not a morning person at all. I'm not doing it. 
an afternoon or evening. I'm not sure what I am, but anyway, <laughs> I'm not a person. <laughs> Just not a person. But I make myself get up at 5.30 every morning. Yeah. I, I do not. I've never, ever, though, I ever remember hitting a snooze button that one time since I've started alarms. I've just never been a snooze person. But with me not being a morning person, I still try to get in the shower, get my head on straight, do my praying, do my Bible reading, do my, you know everything before Juliet gets there. Because I know if, if I don't, I myself more than likely will not fit time because I used to try and do that. Yeah, it never worked that way. So it's like if I don't get up early enough, then it's not going to get done. So I make an effort to make sure I get up. It's kind of like we said in the doc meeting. I think it was this past doc meeting, but it's it's like an appointment. Make the appointment every day and, and yes. keep to it just right. like you would a doctor's appointment or whatever else. No matter what time of day it is. You know, I, I've been now that the kids are a little bit older and the car sleeps the night. I'm able to get up in the mornings now. But no matter what time of day, whether I'm getting up at 6.30 or I do it during nap, like, it's my scheduled time, and I'm not going to miss it no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And I think that that was just such wise advice that we got in that uh, doc lesson. Yeah. Um, but I think we, you know, we also talked about um, how, you know, God was able, God's able to stay the sun, you know, and we think that we don't have enough time to fit those things in. Um, but if, if he was able to stay the sun, what he would do that for us as well. And sometimes it feels like he does that for me when I say, you know, God, I don't have enough time to fit all this in. I want to fit this in. Show me how I can fit this in. Um, help me. Um, and I do get it all fit in. Then it seems like I've had, you know, I have extra minutes throughout the day. What's extra minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, she understands that her family having a good timely start to their day will be the foundation for success. Proverbs 23, 21b says, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. If you have convinced yourself that you are not a morning person, whether in attitude or a rise time, there is an alternative, more virtuous approach. Proverbs 20, 13 says, love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Moving on to Proverbs 31, 16, we read, she considereth the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. I believe that many well-meaning Christians do not know what to do with a verse like this. Remember, this was the wisdom of a woman, not a man, who had no clue how hard, yet rewarding, how tiring, yet fulfilling, being a wife and mother can be. This is a picture of a woman who bought real estate on her own. She did the research, asked the questions, what can I do to assist my family's income, What is the most profitable business venture right now, and what investments will yield the best returns? Once she decided on the goal, she set her sights on the location. She was the purchaser, the planter, the harvester, and the producer. Having a pretty face, being a great chef, nanny, laundress, or martinizer, you youngins look that up, are not enough. A virtuous woman is wise and resourceful. When her husband entrusted a portion of the family income to her, She didn't waste it on clothes and shoes and fancy vacays. She invested it. The terms and conditions, so to say, of Christianity do not require women to be ill-educated or unprofitable outside the home. This verse alone exalts a woman's potential. A woman is certainly capable of projects and jobs outside the home, but a virtuous woman knows that keeping her priorities in order is of the utmost importance. God, husband, family, domestic needs, business. As long as an order is kept, there will always be a way for God to bless her. 
this is something I kind of learned the hard way. Um, God worked in me. So uh, over the last three or four years, or however long it's been that I've been more involved in camp, um, God was always first. But then, you know, like God's work is second. Like that sounds good, right? Like ministry work and church things and all the things would come before husband and family and even like house things. And so I would come here and work on camp, you know, months and months and not spend time with CJ, not spend time with the kids. The house was falling apart, you know, just a mess and not happy. And so then I'm here stressed about what needs to be done at home and I can't put my full heart into it. And it was just a mess. And that's just kind of the way that we did it because like we got to be, you know, sold out. We got to be all in. So like we're here and giving it all. And then, you know, God, I, I remember if I read a book or what it was that it was just kind of like a light bulb went off one day and it was just like, you know, just because it's God's work or it's ministry work doesn't mean it's up there with God. That's a totally different thing. So now, you know, this year with camp, I was able to, you know, spend time with God and then get my housework done and then come here, do our work for camp, go home, spend time with CJ, spend time with the kids and keep all the things, still getting all the things done in the right priority and God bless. And like this was for, for me, prepping for camp was so much easier. And like, I just didn't, I didn't feel burdened by coming over here because I was still able to do what I was called to do at home first and foremost. Right. Well, I've seen a lot of different marriages and families fall apart because of that certain thing. Basically, you know, God was first and church was first, pastors and everything. You, you see it all the time. You hear it all the time. And that's just, I mean, Gary actually went through that process before, um, basically he put God first, but then he, you know, put the church above us and I was being neglected and, you know, I would sit and talk to him about it and he'd just like, but I'm doing the Lord's work, you know? And I think just like Rachel, I think a light bulb kind of finally came on. He missed out on some of his kids' lives just because he thought money was more important than the family. You know, at the time he was trying to provide for us and he missed out on some of the kids' stuff, you know? It's where your priorities are, and God sometimes will get your attention, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's it's very important to remember to not let, um, because no matter how you do it, you're going to, people are going to judge you. Oh, yeah. So the key is to not care about that. Right. Right. As long as you are doing what God wants you to do, and you are taking the steps to, to keep those priorities in line, that's really the only thing that matters. And I know that that hurts sometimes because you're doing what you know that God wants you to do. And you have someone nagging you or maybe a group of people nagging you saying you're not doing it right. Um, it's hurtful. It's very hurtful. But what does he mean when he says, um, you need to love me more than you love, you know, mother, father, sister, brother. You need to love me more. And I think once we get our eye where it needs to be, if we're seeking his kingdom first, um, then those other things, they won't seem as important to us, you know, the the, pe- the way people feel about us. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, going along with that, would you rather be pleasing eternally forever? Yep. Or would you rather be pleasing to someone for, you know, honestly, if you're pleasing someone here on earth, that might be for your lifetime. But honestly, more than likely, that's only going to be for a day or two. Right. You know what I mean? So what would you rather have? Maybe a day or two. Yeah. So like what would what was more important to you? You know, right. long lasting or for a good thumbs up. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that you will you will be able to see. I mean, if you can keep your eye where it needs to be, you'll be able to see where God um, is showing you the fruits of that labor that you're doing, you know. I don't know. Um, I think we every camp is going to have its trials. Every camp is going to have its problems. It's going to have its good aspects. And it's going to have um, what God wants to happen here and there. You know what I'm saying? That's just kind of the way I feel about it. 
But I feel like that this camp ran pretty smooth. And I think that us getting in line and where we need to be is playing a part in that. Not that it's us, but it's, you know, it's us just getting in line. And once we fall in line, everything else will fall in line. That's what the whole thing is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Well, I think we had the year to kind of take off and really stand back and really look at everything in our lives. I mean, our churches, I mean, sadly enough, you hear of all these churches that's closing or not doing well or whatever, but I can actually sit here today and tell you that our church is doing fantastic. I mean, I think we all had actually through this pandemic sat back and assessed ourselves and we've all seen people change and grow and move up. And even with the camp, I think we've all kind of stood back and see, okay, this is what needs to be done. This is what we need. I mean, with Josh and Jamie and Rachel and myself and, and you guys all included, basically camp is important to us. It's a ministry that God has placed in our lap for our church. And just about everybody in the whole church is on board with it. But yet we do have family and we do have church things and we do. So basically it's prioritized, you know, just like you said, everything's going to fall into place if you put God first. Yep. Next Proverbs 31, 17 says she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms to gird means to prepare oneself for something difficult or challenging, prepare oneself for action, belt or band. A virtuous woman is not content with mediocrity. Whatever she is to be, become, achieve, her appearance, her abilities, her example, they must be excellent. Don't be confused. This has nothing to do with comparing herself to other women. It does have everything to do with fulfilling the role that God has given her and being confident that he is pleased with her. Pride is dangerous, but it should never prevent us from being the very best everything that God calls us to be. Not all of us are beauty queen candidates, but we can still perfect what God has made us. She gird up her loins. She prepares the very core of who she is for whatever comes her way. Whether she is called to battle or to achievement, she is ready. It is not God doing this. It is not God strengthening her loins and arms. She is doing it. She's not sitting around hoping for improvement to drop into her lap. She's not waiting for God or anyone else to enlighten her about some magic potion that will fix all of the discouragements and elements of life. She is reading, exercising, mentoring and being mentored, changing habits, restructuring duties, breaking routines, and putting forth whatever effort is required to strengthen herself. This, in addition to regular Bible devotion, prayer, church attendance, and participation. For the virtuous woman, God's emphasis is on the marriage, family, and domestic fronts. But we cannot read Proverbs 31, what we have already covered and what is to come later, and be convinced that God is content with us burying our talents. So when I was first doing the study for this, um, the, the whole part of the fact that God is not doing it, she is doing it, really struck a nerve with me because I think that's contrary to what we're taught about everything. But if we read the scripture and read it truly for what it says, it says she girdeth her loins. She's preparing herself. Um, She's uh, girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. It doesn't say anything about God doing that. It says everything about her doing that. You know, and when we read in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, I would encourage you to go read that. It's the parable of the talents. So what they put in, what they took with what God gave them um, and what they applied to it and how they multiplied it was key. In the end, that was going to be key. What are you going to do with what God God has given you? Because he gives us talents 
um, for things inside the home, and he gives us talents for things outside the home. Whether money or actual talent, the servants that invested their five and two talents, their marriage, family, domestic duties, they received a double return, personal pursuits and ventures. For the ones that hid the talents, these were the ones that the first responsibilities were grievous to them. God could not extend their talents. So I watch, and I, you, you hear as Gary preaches about um, ones that are afraid to get out, you know, and I, I know he's made many references to you and how you've, you know, kind of shied away from being out front, but that's the talent that God has given you. And I think that because you have seen, Renee, um, what God wants of you and that you have embraced your talent and um, gotten out front that has blessed the music, the worship inside the church. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, a lot of that goes to back to just childhood, basically. I, I've always been taught, basically, put forth your best. But at the same time, I've shied away from that because I don't, I'm not sure really the words to put it, but basically I don't want to be out there showing off and thinking it's all about me. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So basically it, it's been a process for me to get to where I am at today. <laughs> But aren't you thankful for that process? Oh, definitely. definitely. I mean, it's, I think I enjoy it's joy actually. Get, I mean, there was been times that I just, I know God's gave me the talent to sing. I just don't want to do it, you know, yeah. but now I, you know, I mean, logically the times I don't feel good or whatever, that's different. But uh, for the most part, I enjoy getting up and, and singing for the Lord and yeah. just using the talent that he gave me. And that's a lie that Satan has, it tells us. Um, that if you do this, you're going to be seen as showy. You're going to, you know, he, he'll just, he'll sit on your shoulder and give you anything. He will take, he will use good for evil, you know, it, and he'll get, he'll get you so mixed up in the things that he has for you to do or that God has for you to do that. You don't know which, which one is good, you know? Well, that's like, even we used to do instrumentals and stuff like that or whatever. It's not to show yourself. It's just to show God. Does that show off God as far as the talent that he has given you? Because I mean, I know Darren and them can, and, and Rachel and everybody can play so well, but it's, it's almost like, like Darren and me were taught, like, basically, you know, don't do maybe above what you're supposed to because you're just showing off. No, that's not really what you're doing. I mean, when we get groups in here and they say, okay, we want the piano player or the guitar player just to pick something, I sit back and then just am amazed. I'm like, that's just God. You yeah. know, God's the one that blessed them with that talent. Why in the world should we shy away from that, not use it? I don't know about everyone else, but, um, this has been very, very encouraging for me. Um, very opening, And I know that God's not done with it yet. Um, I am looking forward to what he has in store. Um, I don't know how long we'll, we'll be in Proverbs. We'll definitely be finishing Proverbs 31 out. And, um, we will, we're thankful that Rachel has joined us for this mm-hmm. because like I had said before, I'll say it again. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman, Rachel is a perfect picture of that that does not mean that she's perfect but she is (laughs) she is definitely um the perfect picture to me for the proverbs 31 woman i agree and i'm i hope that she is enjoying it i am it has been fun it's because we're fun people yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not quite sure how far we'll be going um so if you just want to continue to read through um, Proverbs 31, be prepared for, uh, what God has in store for the next podcast. We thank you for joining us and we pray that you will join us again. We thank you for joining us for our goodness and gracious podcast. We pray that this was a blessing and encouragement to you. 
If you would like more information about our women's ministry we have to offer, or you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com women. We hope you will join us next time, and until then, we pray God blesses you with his goodness and gracious.